Hey, this is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we're going to attempt to talk about all kinds of great subjects, the precious gems of Moses, two minerals brand new from outer space, um, and we'll talk about some holiday stones and more. I was looking at radical rocks. There were fossils, minerals, and rocks and things. There were sand and hills and rings. The first thing I found was a geocrystals. Quartz with no clouds. Agate was hot and the ground was hard. But the gems were there to be found. See, I've been through the desert, found a rock with no name. Felt good to have in my hand In the desert You can find lots of rocks That's right, radical rocks are everywhere. And today we're going to talk about some different locations and a lot of different rocks. I'm having a heck of a a deal with the internet today, so um, I keep trying to refresh and reload pages and uh, not working out real good. So we're just going to wing it today and see what we can come up with, see what pops up, what doesn't and do the best we can. So uh, thank you guys for liking and subscribing and uh, putting up with me. My bronchitis is um, is still getting me, but it's not too bad anymore. I've um, got it pretty much under control, at least where I can talk. So hopefully I won't be hacking my brains out. Thank you again for putting up with that. If you want to reach out to us, you can see us at Etsy. We got a few items for sale there. It's Radical Rocks USA. Uh, also have eBay, which is Radical Rocks. And um, I think we even got some stuff on Facebook Marketplace, which I just sell uh, through my name, which is Shane. So anyway, um, what else? Yeah, join our social media. We got a huge presence on MeWe and uh, all kinds of social media. So check that out if you're interested. Let's get right into it. Um, calamine. You know what calamine is? Well, it is the anti-itch mineral is what it is. And Rock and Jim at Rock, the letter N, Jim Magazine, you can look up calamine and anti-itch mineral. They email me this good stuff all the time. You can do that too. (coughs) I say I'm not going to cough and then I have a cough. So there you go. Well, calamine is a kind of a red rock. It looks almost like a uh, uh, like oregonite. If you've seen oregonite crystals, kind of looks like that in a way. But it's a zinc carbonite. Um, it also can have smithsonite. And this can be a very beautiful specimen, the ones that come from Nambia, if you want to check that out. Through history, though, uh, they use this as a copper-zinc alloy uh, for brass. And it showed up about uh, many, many years ago in the so-called Stone Age, which uh, says 10,000 years ago here. I think I just read in another article that it was about 10 million years ago. So, uh, you know, somewhere in between there. Or if you want to look at written history, then you can only go back about uh, 6,000 years. So somewhere in there. Uh, that's how long they've been using it. Ancient people discovered this by heating it up and um, probably trying to 
to uh, mix it with copper. The Egyptians powdered malachite to color their pottery. And then when they fired in an access, they saw tiny beads of copper, according to some guesses. And then there you go. So when they found out about this here, um, the zinc minerals, there's a lot of zinc minerals, but calamine was also used by the Chinese, the Greeks, and the Romans. Um, nobody had ever seen the metal zinc. And that's because uh, it melts and vaporizes very quickly. But in early years, I think the 1500s, there was a scientist who was going, hey, I know there was this mineral here, whatever it was, you know, he knew it wasn't copper, it wasn't, it wasn't, uh, it was a zinc uh, alloy. I don't know if it had been named at that time, but um, he figured out, he discovered by looking at his ceiling, it had gathered and vaporized up on the ceiling, and that's how he discovered it um, in his laboratory. So probably trying to figure out how to turn lead into gold. There's a really great, like I said, if you want to read this article in depth, you can find out that uh, calamine can be, um, it can even be fluorescent. It can, it can have fluorescing properties. Um, sometimes when it has a bright uh, green crystalline, spiky looking zinc oxide crystal, it can fluorescent, very beautiful. Um, collected from chimney flues of zinc smelters where zinc gas cools, combines with oxygen, and on the interior of the flue and crystallizes. So I guess that's where they get those. Smithsonite is also uh, a zinc carbonite, which is a beautiful blue color. It is zinc minerals making up calamine used to produce brass. It also has some of those uh, properties. They tell us here in this article that in Mexico at one time, such big pieces of the smithsonite were made that they actually made gravestones out of it. So, uh, wow, I've always heard it's so rare and everything, but uh, apparently at one time, when they didn't really know what it was, there was quite a bit of it and uh, massive underlaying layers that you can find. So depending on what minerals it has in it, these are the different things that you can find from these zinc minerals. Um, smithsonite and calamine um, and some other ones too that you might want to look up in this article. I'm not going to tell you about the whole article. There's more uh, other zinc type minerals that are in there. Beautiful pictures. The crystals again of this calamine are um, kind of the orangish color that you see of the oregonite. The crystal formation is not the same. It looks like a bunch of crystals just all stuck together uh, randomly pointing this way and that way and the other way. Um, pretty cool. Very interesting. Okay, so next, uh, if the article comes up, it may not. So, doesn't look like it's going to pop up right now. I want to tell you about another gemstone that is called Jasper. Jasper, I could do a whole episode on Jasper, and maybe I have. I know I've done some on agate. Maybe I've done them on jasper, too. Yeah, I think I have done them on jasper. But uh, jasper's found really throughout the world. It's typically chalcedony. Um, again, this is a tiny micro uh, uh, crystalline of silica, silica and comes from colors 
of all the rainbow, green, red, blue, orange, yellow, brown, purple, um, all sorts of other things. Impurities such as ash, clay, and other minerals, iron, even magnesium and fossils will inhabit, um, not jasper so much um, with the fossils, but it can be. I've heard of sea uh, type things forming in jasper, so that can happen. Various colors, bloodstone jasper, uh, chlorite jasper. Chlorite can cause a deep green, iron usually is red, and uh, the French word jasp, jaspri, which comes from the Latin jasprindim, meaning speckled stone is fitting because uh, they probably had speckled patterns for the stone that they were looking at. So looks like this article came up on the teacher's find of a rare mastodon in St. Petersburg. We can go to wsvn.com and look that up. It came out on uh, December 1st from 7 News. And they've got a picture of these awesome-looking, um, ancient, rare finds. They were in uh, Florida when they discovered this piece of history. They said thousands of years old. Jaws and tusks of a specimen long extinct. You don't really hear too much of that in Florida. You can hear their screams of excitement through their scuba masks as water leaked in and they died. No, they didn't die. But they laughed in their scuba mask, which... Uh, yeah, I don't know how that works. I've done diving before. You gotta, gotta kind of be careful with your mask um, if they're breathing through it. All of a sudden, um, they were swimming around, and there they saw these two teeth just sitting right there in front of them. And it was a jaw of a mastodon was not far away. Two tusks, uh, again somewhere between a thousand and a million years old. Um, they heard screaming and hootering and hollering, and there it was. And uh, it was a woolly mammoth tusks. And there's some pictures of them here. They definitely look very prehistoric. So good for them for finding that. That's always fun. Now, I want to tell you another article about the queen's love of pearls. But it's not loading right now. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to talk about kunzite. Kunzite is the best known variety of spondamine. Kunzite is pink to purplish version depending on how much lithium it has in it, the more purple it has. Kunzanite boasts beautiful pink or purplish hues because of the presence also of magnesium. Chromium uh, creates greens, another variety of hittonite. Very beautiful. One of the aspects of kunzanite is uh, where it displays different colors, kind of a rainbow color, kind of a pink, purple, transparent um, it's usually very light. Oh, oh, my cat is trying to get up on my computer. It's usually a very light kind of a rainbow sheen on the outside of the stone that you'll see um, to kind of put it into a visual perspective for you since you are listening in on the podcast. Um, yeah, it's a lot of times mined for lithium production, they say here. Um, but this beautiful rainbow colors, uh, very, very pleasing. You... Uh, it has a phosphorescence, which allows the stone to absorb and release in the dark. Uh, a glow. It's a glow-in-the-dark type thing. It can happen. It can glow a little bit. Um, but exposure to sunlight causes the beautiful colors to fade. It's about 7 on the hardness scale, which is not too bad. Um, yeah. 
Large crystals are possible. The Some of the largest being 880 carat heart-shaped kunzonite is housed in the Smithsonian. So there's all kinds of things to see right there. My cat is coming back on my computer again. Let me grab him. Come on, kitty. Oh, he almost knocked my coffee cup over. Boy, first time, first take. Sorry, guys. We just don't have a budget to be able to do a lot of editing or re re redoing the podcast. It's just go get it and go for it. Um, sink or swim, right? The Queen's love of pearls is showcased in the crown, and uh, that's her favorite gemstone, they say, which it's organic. Um, it's considered a gemstone, whatever. Express.co.uk. Uh, Katie uh, Sewell tells us all about the Queen's favorite so-called gemstone. Now, when she got married, she had beautiful strands around her. Um, Many times, she has had these pearls, many beautiful uh, shots of her. And um, here's one of her as she was married with her brooch collection. Beautiful. She does pick her jewelry, does mean something. A lot of people don't understand um, that there's not many world leaders, um, even though the queen is a figurehead and not really so much a leader, she does have a voice, a very powerful voice in England. I mean, the world is fascinated with the royal family, uh, especially here in the United States. But uh, she had a beautiful green uh, outfit. And, you know, she's an older lady. She's, a, she's an elderly woman, but she, she could really dress you know, quite dapper, I guess. I don't know what other word to say. Very stylish. Um, not like not like crazy over the top or anything, but just very stylish. And she has what is known as the Prince Albert brooch, a huge sapphire that belonged to Queen Victoria and so supposedly inspired the sapphire and diamond engagement ring worn by Princess Diana, which now belongs to Kate, uh, Princess of Wales. Now, she also has three strands of pearls on her neck in this somewhat famous picture during the Platinum Jubilee. And uh, the Diamond Jubilee, she wore, she had some pearls uh, in that outfit as well. So if you want to read about that, find out more about the Queen. We're going to talk, maybe, if it comes up, we'll talk about the King a little bit. Um, I had to go to several different browsers to get today's episodes because of all the technical difficulties. Now, I'm hoping, ah, looks like we can, we're going to get some gold, gold mining stories. Our friends at Gold Rush Expeditions, um, you can go see them at uh, goldrushexpeditions.com. They have a beautiful property. This property is called the Stevenson Chance Mineral Property, it's in Central City Mining District, Clear Creek County, Colorado, 10 acres of load. Um, this is a really cool property because you actually would own the land. Um, there's a lot of details on this, so go check that out if you want. But um, they talk about you know buying a mine and repurposing it, which I thought is kind of cool, right? Old workings could be looked at. Uh, repanned and prospected. Um, people could convert the audits into wine cellars, cheese caves in Sweden, 
They've converted uh, some of these mines, the Sasa Silver Mine, into a luxury hotel and a wedding venue. And I know in Australia, some of the old opal mines are made into these uh, beautiful underground hotels. Wow, really cool. Um, you can find out more about this property, but it is in a very good gold area in Colorado. So that might be something to check out and it does uh, give us a little bit of our gold history. Let me see if I can find a little bit more on this property for you. Um, let's see, here we go. Come on, baby, you can do it. Ah, here we go. All right, so they talk more about buying it. They talk about uh, it's uh, set on a mountain above Idaho Springs and they don't really tell us too much about the history of the area. So that's about it on that. The King's Crown. Today is some information on the royals. The King's Crown was removed from the Tower of London ahead of the coronation. Well, what is the King's Crown? What, what's uh, the big deal about this thing? Well, the Tower of London is where they keep most of the crown jewels. If you go to ibc.co.uk um, the LBC leading uh, Britain's conversations it's a news um, outlet and you can find out all about this and uh, St. Edward's crown contains more than 450 beautiful gemstones it's made of 22 karat gold it says here that it weighs more than two kilograms and has 444 precious and non-precious stones and uh, is expected to be um, part of the king's monarchy um, coronation and uh, should be quite beautiful. Now, if you care about this whole ordeal, they said this ceremony is not going to be as big and uh, grandiose as most of them. The king prefers a slimmed down version. Um, he will try to stick to you know some of the traditional stuff, but he's not gonna he's not gonna make it crazy. Two new minerals from outer space have landed on Earth. Uh, California18.com. You can find out about these minerals, and uh, they were found uh, just while well, they're in Africa is where they discovered this uh, this phenomenal meteor but in Canada University of Alberta they did some research and within minutes of slicing it open they went and did a test and found out that there's two minerals from the shard that fell in East Africa in 2020 they said that uh, this was described as a big piece 15 tonnies in total, two meters wide, the ninth largest meteorite ever on record to have fallen on our planet, unearthed in Somalia two years ago, uh, and they found a piece of just 70 grams where they found what they describe as phenomenal. It's phenomenal. It's always phenomenal. It's amazing. It blows your mind, makes your face melt, your head explode. It's brand new. It's older than anything else. Uh, uglier than anything else. It, it's always the best. Whenever I read these articles, I gotta laugh because uh, it's just always the best, the oldest. It's like, oh, we're shocked. We rewrite history. Everything we know is is completely changed. It's like 
But trust us, we're the science. We know everything. But we're so stupid, we're going to rewrite everything. I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little critical, but these, maybe the articles, maybe it's the the people who write the articles. Maybe they're to blame trying to, you know, hype it up. But a lot of times they quote it. They quote these type of uh, verbiages. But anyway, this mineral was looked at under a electric uh, electronic microscope. And sure enough, there it is. Two new minerals. They don't know what they're going to do with them. They don't know what good they are. Um, the area that this thing was found in is kind of how the names of the minerals were. And, of course, you know my pronunciation on a lot of these things. I will willingly tell you where I don't know. But it's Elalite uh, or El Alite. It's E-L-A-L-I. L T E and Elkinstantonite, which are similar to some minerals that were created in a lab in the 1980s, but they did not find these in nature. So sometimes when they're you know playing their scientific games and they start studying stuff, they come up with new minerals, and also um, they know that you know the periodic table of elements. They knew because of the math that's involved in minerals, this law, there's actually a law written into minerals. They've known in the past that even though they couldn't find certain minerals or what they were, they knew they had to exist because there's this table. It's very mathematical. And a lot of these spaces have been filled in. And now there's actually another kind of sub-table that's being created um, of other minerals and things that have been discovered that shows them that this mineral table that they had was cool and very accurate, but was not complete. So they know that uh, they will be able to identify these minerals and hoping that there might be some useful thing that can be done with them. Hopefully they can uh, create uh, cold fusion with, with no waste and uh, energize the whole world. That, that would be great. I'd like to hear that. Maybe they could do that. Um, Minimize holiday spending with homemade gifts. You're a rock hound, right? Do you do lapidary? Lapidary is the art of grinding stone and gemstones and making something out of it. Uh, most people make cabochons for starts. Um, they can be oval, round, heart-shaped, whatever. You know, you usually start off with an oval and polishing this. And then you could do a flat lap and make polished stones you could do uh, cut geodes in half and then polish them you could polish stone for making other artistic things for decoration um, it's just endless to what you could do with homemade gifts if you have a rock tumbler you could tumble rocks uh, and make things out of the rocks you can make keychains you can make necklaces you can make decorations you can make christmas tree ornaments all sorts of things you can make and when you make them um, even if you don't find the rock in the field which to me is an extra joy it's like being the farmer planting the seed taking care of it watering it keeping the weeds out keeping the critters out harvesting it processing it and then making something out of it to finally you have a cake or a meal on the table to me finding the rock cutting it and slicing it into slabs then making it into jewelry or whatever, doing the silversmithing, making a mount for it, creating some kind of art for it is like the full 
circle feel of lapidary. But not everybody can do that. Not everybody is close to an area where gemstones are. So you just join your local lapidary club and you pay a small fee, 20 to 50 bucks a year. They find one that has a shop. They have equipment typically. Um, they're all over in almost every state in the union. They're all in different parts of the world. Australia has a ton. They've got them in England, um, Canada. Just look around. Hopefully you will find one. And people are so willing to help you learn how to make something. I know it's get, it's already getting into December, but maybe for next year. Make that your New Year's resolution to get connected with a rock, gem, and mineral um, company. And if you live in North Idaho, look me up, man. Maybe I'll help you out, you know? All right? There's also clubs up here, too. So make homemade gifts. This article on uh, Macomb Daily, M-A-C-O-M-B-Daily.com, you can find out how to minimize your holiday spending with homemade gifts. Last year, I made my daughter a beautiful ring out of Bytrudel um, Azerite that I bought in Israel. I didn't mine it. I just bought it. I was on a trip in Israel for a couple weeks, came into this little shop. They had this beautiful Azerite, a couple different varieties. I had to buy it. I had to have it in my collection. And I took it home and I did a video on YouTube where I cut out one of the little orbs or one of the bitrudel eyes, if you want to call it, I used an old silver ring and repurposed it to put a new cabochon in there. Showed you how to clean up the silver, straighten it up, get it ready, make the stone just right to fit it, tune up the stone, get it in there, mount it good, uh, and, then, and polish it all. I did it all with a Dremel, just a Dremel, and sandpaper by hand. Um, you could do it with just simple tools you could start doing this yourself. I've done a couple videos where I show how you can use Dremels to do all sorts of things, even cutting small geodes, um, polishing gemstones, polishing your silver, all kinds of things. But this article here says, you know what, you could go out and buy something, but it's not as meaningful as something you made. It's so unique that your name is on it. Um, and at least scratch your initials in the back somewhere or put a few lines on there or something if it's a ring or whatever to kind of make your mark um, until uh, just to kind of put that special little thing on there. So you could check that out if you want. Um, let me see. We talked about that. Okay. I got the coolest article for you next. A rabbi's mysterious comment leads to a major Israeli gemstone discovery. And this is what I talked about in the beginning. This is the gems that Moses spoke of that were in the sands of the desert. And if you go to the jewishvoice.com and look up that article I just told you about, it's by Doris Baylor. They tell us about this man whose name is Abraham, no, uh, not the biblical Abraham, but a modern day Abraham. He has been searching for 23 years to find out um, about the gems that Moses spoke about, the treasures that were hidden in the sand in the tribe of Zubalin, which is now northwest Israel. In 1988, Rabbi um, Minashim 
Mendel Schneerson said that these are there and uh, they are there is a valley uh, that has both a sea and a valley with precious stones and gems this uh, rabbi um, added that uh, that it would be that these gems were concealed within the depths of the earth so going along with this uh, story about Moses and the gems and uh, it goes on um, and they, he looked and he looked he did do some holes and found a few sapphires and other stones but they were small they were tiny they were not of a, of a huge uh, value like you know if you take sands you can take sands at the bottom of rivers and find sometimes diamonds and unusual gemstones you can do that even here in Idaho you can do it all over and sometimes that's just stuff that's traveled through glaciers or whatnot uh, over the millennials but sometimes it can be a sign that something good is nearby so to kind of take you more into this story they started drilling and drilling and drilling and found an area where some spectacular specimens in 2014 came uh, along they were working with the Department of Earth Exploration at Mercury University in Australia they identified in this area completely new mineral which was called the Carmel Sapphire we talked about the Carmel Sapphire it's a rare mix of light dark blue sapphire resembling the night sky this is just found in the last few months um, to be started to be mining mined and uh, been talked about since 2018 like we said now since then they have unearthed blue also green and yellow sapphires rubies dark red garnets shiny black spindles and natural moissanite hibonite and uh, other things proving that Moses and the rabbi were right now unfortunately Abraham passed away before this could be developed but luckily um, his son worked alongside with him the last 15 years and he is ready to make his father's dreams come true they are unearthing these jewels the jewels are unearthed sifted sorted washed cut polished and set into stunning necklaces drop earrings bracelets rings with sapphires burgundy and red garnets or black spindles and if you want to find out more about that again you can go to um, thejewishvoice.com tjvnews.com and look up about these rare sands of the desert um, the article again was called rabbi's mysterious comment leads to major israeli gemstone discovery so let's see how we're doing on time here we got 31 minutes um i did find another pretty cool article that i wanted to talk to you about it has to do with christmas i love christmas um, it's a time of year where families get together and hate each other. No. And hopefully get along and put their differences aside and enjoy each other's company. All right. So 
some of the wonderful stones that uh, can be biblical uh, in the Old Testament are found in the Bible in the book of Exodus. Twelve gems on the breastplate of the high priest. And uh, a lot of these have very Christmas significance because of um, faith in Christ Jesus. You're familiar with the red Christmas tree and the red holly. Um, these all have to do with the green symbolizing uh, rebirth uh, in the winter, that there's still life amongst the death, a rebirth, such as Christ being reborn. And then the red has to do with blood. It symbolizes Christ's blood, which has the life-saving uh, ability to wash away the sin of the world, according to um, the Bible, and along with the old Chris, uh, Christmas traditions. So these stones of red and green are quite popular. Um, bloodstone. Here you have a beautiful uh, green uh, stone with red droplets, typically. Um, it uh, represents Jesus hanging on the cross. Deep green jasper, um, significant uh, with red spots. And uh, this was quite popular in the er early third centuries. They would use this stone along with the scenes of crucifixion. And sometimes written in, uh, uh, inscriptions were carved into the bloodstone and made into amulets. These practice continued for centuries, and um, on during the Middle Ages, bloodstone was often referred to as the martyr's stone, where medieval Christians etched scenes of either the crucifixion or martyrs on the stone. Amethyst also was a significant uh, to the early church, being purple, that is a color of royalty, significant. Uh, symbolizing the kingship of Christ. It has been found on rings of bishops. Amethyst is a symbol of uh, several saints. Um, and uh, it says, Saint Mathedus, who replaced Judas, as reported in the book of Acts, um, and so on. In Hebrew, the word for amethyst is a halamba, which means dreamstone, indicating its use to encourage sound sleep in the Old Testament. Amethyst was one of the twelve precious stones in the high priest's breastplate that symbolized and continued to be used in the book of Revelation, where it is one of the twelve foundation stones of the holy city. Emeralds, another stone associated with royalty, such as kingship, which is associated with uh, Christmas, and has uh, a link to a number of myths and legends associated to early Christians. One story claims the emerald in the shape of a bull is dislodged from Satan's crown. Um, in that version, the bull of Christ is used during the Last Supper, which became much sought after the Holy Grail and the legend of King Arthur. Another story, the bull was used in Joseph of Arimathea to catch Christ's blood from the cross. Around 37 to 68 AD, there's legends that say Nero, who actually lit Rome on fire to blame the Christians, he watched gladiator gamers and uh, used 
Christians for sports, feeding them to lions, watch them get tore apart by lions, bears, and other animals. He had a uh, emerald that he used, but uh, we do not know. A transparent green stone such as olivine could have been used for him to look through to look at the games. Pearls. The parable of the pearl and the great price, which was told in the book of Matthew, uh, is very biblical and associated to the kingdom of the heavens, which is associated with Christmas. Um, Other stones that you could find that uh, have a lot to do with with Christmas are... um, uh, thulite. We have a we call it Christmas tree ag or Christmas tree thulite that's found in the Lavic area along Highway 40 in California. It is primarily green, but when you look, there is some that actually has pink, green and pink. We know that uh, tourmaline can be found in green and pink. Sometimes a watermelon look. Also wonderful uh, Christmas colors. All sorts of agates and other gemstones such as jasper, we talked about the bloodstone, but others that are very Christmassy. Other things you might think about for Christmas, maybe not quite so religious, but uh, just fun, is take a slab and polish it. Um, Polish it and then use a Dremel, keep it wet so you don't breathe any of the fumes or anything use your protection and everything i'm not telling you how to do it i'm just giving you some ideas to work with check it out thoroughly before you do it but you can carve some neat things out of gemstones um, and just diamond bits that you get at harbor freight or home depot or online or whatever whatever makes you happy and make some ornament make an ornament for your tree you know or take a uh, just a polished rock uh, like that's come out of a tumbler and wrap some wire around it, some decorative jewelry wire. You can get at the, one of the hobby shops at Michael's or whatever, you know, the hobby shop down there. Get some of that and just twirl it around it where it holds it and then make a little loop. Boom! You've got a Rockhounders uh, Christmas tree ornament. So with that, guys, we will talk to you again next week uh, if everything turns out okay for us like it usually does. I want to thank you for tuning in, for liking, subscribing, and sharing. Um, We're almost at our 200th episode for the podcast. Come by and check out our videos and uh, join us on social media. We appreciate your support. Until next time, remember, rockhounds don't die. They petrify.